teenager at high school, I studied this song and I could never understand why Paul Simon could write lyrics like that. I had lots of friends. I played sport. I had lots of people around me. But as I've aged, I've come to understand where he might have been coming from because sometimes it is easier to hide in your room safe within your womb. Particularly when you've been hurt by a loved one or by someone who you named as a friend. And some of us may have been so hurt in the past that we think there's no such thing as a friend that you can really trust. I have no need of friendship. Friendship causes pain. George Aid said, A friend who is near and dear may in time become as useless as a relative. How cynical is that? And now we're starting to see the problem with Facebook. Some people today will brag, I have 400 friends and they don't even know them. And this is where they talk, this is where they communicate, this is where they spend time, they're more comfortable relating to their computer than they do with men and women. That's the world we're living in. Now I understand that as you sit here this morning you may not be like this. You may be saying, well I love my family, I I like my friends, I like the people in the church, I even like my neighbours. I'm not alone, I'm not an island. And I say, well that's great. I believe that attitude pleases the Lord. But every person sitting here this morning knows it's true that relationships with other people can cause pain and tears. And what we do when that happens, the tendency that we have is what Paul Simon says, I've built walls, a fortress deep and mighty that none may penetrate. I have no need of friendship. Friendship causes pain. It's laughter and it's loving. I disdain. I'm a rock. I'm an island. I don't need anyone else. And then he finished with, and a rock feels no pain and an island never cries. If you don't want pain and you don't want to cry, then that's what you need to be, a rock, an island. But we're going to see this morning from what uh, was read for us from the book of Ecclesiastes that the reality is that a rock may feel no pain and an island certainly may cry but I want to tell you a rock feels no joy and an island never laughs. Solomon will say through this chapter or this section that we're looking at that a truly happy and satisfied person who's someone who is relating to someone else See, God never, ever intended any of us to be self-sufficient lone rangers. In fact, we were created to have a relationship with God and to have a relationship with each other. We were created for that. And so this morning we're going to continue in our journey through the book, starting at uh, where Pete read for us. And in this passage, Solomon shares some of the lessons, lessons that he's learnt so far. And I think Solomon talks about this friendship because he's just written, and if you were with us last time, you would 
might remember that he's just written about the oppressive, competitive, dog-eat-dog world and we just looked at in verse 8 the one who was on the way to the top in this world alone and without companions. I might like to just read verse 8 with you again to try and jog your memory of where we were up to. So verse 8, one verse back, there was a certain man without a dependent having neither a son nor a brother yet there was no end to all his labour. Indeed, his eyes were not satisfied with riches and he never asked, and for whom am I labouring and depriving myself of pleasure? This too is vanity and it is a grievous task. We've been looking, that Solomon has been looking at uh, things under the sun and last time we looked at this man who probably working 80, 90 hours a week, he had no one, he didn't have a brother, he had no dependent. All he could see, his eyes were not satisfied even with the riches he did have. He wanted more and more and he never ever stopped and said, why am I doing this? He was a loner. And I think Solomon, taking what he has taken, which has been a lot of negativeness so far, and he's thought, what am I going to say next about this loner? And so for me, as I read in the context, it looks like Solomon, with a great deal of honesty and insight, addresses the loners of verse 8. But I'll go even further and say that he speaks to all of us in this section in his journal. As Christians, we were never meant to be loners. That's why Paul was able to write, make sure you never not meet together. Don't neglect meeting together. Don't neglect building up each other. And then if you have, we had time, we could go through all the one another's of the Bible. There's decades or there's hundreds of them. All the one another's that you could think of. And so I'd say this section fits with us very well. And my hope is that Solomon's words will help us to value our friendship with each other and that it will cause us to desire not just a Facebook friend but a deep relationship with the people around us, especially with the family of God. Let's just pray together. Father, as we look at this word from well, thousands of years ago. We thank you that your word is as relevant today as it was then. We ask by the power of your spirit that, Father, you may work in our hearts, in our lives to uh, change us, to be doers of the word and not just hearers and that we may be encouraged through this passage this morning for your sake. Amen. The opening line of verse 9 sets the stage for the next three verses. I call it a statement of fact. Two are better than one. To me, that's the statement of fact for this section. It's not good to be alone. Now, if you've been to a few weddings, and I missed what Pastor said on on Saturday, so I hope it wasn't this, um, in the sense that this is what I'm going to mention. If you've been to a few weddings, chances are you've heard the passage used concerning people being joined in marriage. Two people are better than one. And I do agree with that thought, but Solomon is not talking about marriage here. 
Of course, every God-centred marriage is living proof of this principle that two are better than one. But in this passage, Solomon is talking about true friendship. Now, that may very well be your spouse, as it is with my Karen. She's my truest friend. But besides a spouse, a true friend can be a family member, a neighbour, a co-worker, someone in the church. As I said, please understand God never designed us to go it alone. He never created you or I to be an island. And Solomon's line, a bottom line in this passage is that we as human beings need relationships. We need true friends. We need a kindred spirit. As Anne of Green Gables would say, yes, I've seen all the movies. Anne of Green Gables would always use that word, a kindred spirit. I love that term actually. Have you, do you have a kindred spirit? Do you have someone that you would call a kindred spirit? You see, unlike the words of the song we, we listen to, we're not meant to be rocks. You and I aren't meant to be islands. Why? Why do you think that would be the case? Verse 9 says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labour. The New Living Translation puts it, Two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. They can be with each other. And then Solomon goes on to give us three reasons or three examples and they're very specific of why friendship is better than a personal isolation. Friend, having a, a true friend is better than being an island or a rock. And he gives us three of them. And the first one, a true friend can help us when we're in trouble. Again, the statement of fact, two are better than one in verse 9 and then verse 10, for if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. You know, this reminds me of an older lady back in Sydney who was in our church. She had a, a fall. And she couldn't get back up again. I suppose you hear about that all the time, don't you? An older person who falls down and now they sell bracelets that you can push a button to try and raise someone. But basically she fell down and she didn't have anything. Her children certainly never visited her. And it was a scary and lonely time for her. She couldn't get to a phone. And verse 10 reminds me of that. For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. And sometimes falling happens in life, not only literally as that lady did, but metaphorically. We do get knocked down by life's trials and troubles. Sometimes somebody pushes us. Other times we just trip over our own two feet. But either way, we end up crashed on the ground. Relationships get broken. Financial difficulties make us feel desperate. Against our own better judgment, we fall into sin. If we're all alone, we might go down and stay down like that lady did. And the point Solomon is making is that we shouldn't be alone. A brother or sister in Christ should be there to lift us up with words of encouragement or to remind us of the love and mercy of God to help us to be risen up again, to encourage each other, to love one another. Do you have someone you go to when you're down? 
Do you have a kindred spirit who can help you when you fall? You might say, well, no, not really. But so what if I'm an island? I'm happy that way. Well, if you are happy as an island or a rock, look at the rest of verse 10 with me. But woe to the one who falls when there is not another to lift him up. Foolishly, like Paul Simon, some people insist they don't need help. Even in the difficult circumstances. And Solomon is saying, woe to you. Woe to that person. You know, men especially are great at saying, I don't need any help. I can take care of myself. I'm a rock. I'm an island. And you know, for some ungodly reason, men are proud of it. I'm a rock. I don't need help. It's like when we never ask for directions, do we? When we're going somewhere, we always think we know we're going. I don't need your help. It's all right. And we're proud of being a rock or an island sometimes. Do you know how hard it is to get men to talk about their problems? You know, women, you can't stop. I say that with admiration. I don't say that to put you down. Women don't have a problem sharing their problems. Men, we think we're the rock of Gibraltar. We think we're fine. We have no trouble about talking about the football, the weather. We have no trouble about talking about anything except ourselves. Why is that? Because we then become vulnerable. But I have my books and my poetry to protect me. I'm shielded by my armour. Friends, and I particularly point this to men, every one of us falls down. And when that happens, we need someone who is willing to help us to get up, to put that hand out and to lift us up. And we must be willing to let people help us. Do you have that kindred spirit who can help you when you fall? Only you know that, but what I would like to say is if you don't, then work on it. Open yourself up to someone of the same sex, I would say. Open yourself up to someone, someone you can trust, someone you can trust to share your deepest intimacies and not judge you and keep them confidential. Men, we need someone like that. Women, we need someone like that. We need a kindred spirit. And I want to put a warning in here. Don't be content with shallow friendships. Some people claim they have lots of friends like on Facebook, but if you took an honest moment, we might have to admit that there really is no one of those that we trust. There really is no one that we feel comfortable about sharing our weaknesses and our worries. No one that we can really run to for, for help when we're in, in trouble. And so what Solomon is describing in these verses is not just a friend we, we take to coffee and, and might talk football about. He's talking about a true friend who will be there to, to pick you up, a kindred spirit. 
Now, good friendships, whether in a marriage or otherwise, are built upon good communication. We need to talk. We need to talk to our friend. We need to talk about more than the football score or the weather. And I aim this at men, particularly at men. As I said earlier, women don't usually have this problem. But men and women, we need to talk about feelings and we need to talk about our soul. As Christians, we need to be honest with one another about our relationship with God. It's good to tell a friend about the doubts. You will have doubts. Everyone has doubts. And it's good to talk to a kindred spirit about the doubts and, and those temptations that are coming your way, those temptations you struggle with each and every day. Who are you talking to about them? In fact, one of the best ways to deepen our relationship is to pray for that person, to pray for one another. But how can we pray if you're not sharing what to pray for? Two are better than one, for if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. So sad, so very sad. Then we have a second point that Solomon gives us about having a true friend and that one is in verse 11. A true friend comforts us in difficult times. You have the statement of fact, two are better than one and then verse 11, because if two lie down together, they keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Now again, at first, we may think that Solomon is talking about the marriage bed here. And uh, I could continue on what Pastor was sharing about last week and the marriage bed. But what I believe Solomon has in mind here is someone travelling through the wilderness. It goes beyond the marriage. You see, the desert gets cold at night. And if you're walking alone, you can freeze to death but not if you have a companion because two people can keep warm at night by sleeping back to back. And sometimes, of course, the travelling companion is also your wife or your husband and you get lots more warmth from them. You could even liken it to someone who's fallen in a, uh, a frozen lake. You know, someone who's suffering from hypothermia, what's the first thing you do? You cuddle them. You try and take your warmth or give your warmth to them. Because if two lie down together, they keep warm. But how can one person be warm alone, is what Solomon is saying. You know, it's, unfortunately, it's all too easy to grow cold in our Christian life when we're on our own. Eventually, we freeze to spiritual death. And again, that's why we're encouraged to, to meet with one another like we are this morning, to encourage one another, to be with one another because when we're on our own, we grow cold. And of course, you know the example of the, of the ember taken out of the fire, the red hot coal that you take away from, every, from, from the fire and put it aside, it, you know it goes cold. It's an old illustration but a great one to be reminded that as Christians we cannot be alone. You will grow cold. 
Solomon says to keep warm together. The heat of another Christian can warm us up. The prayer of, the, of a Christian, a prayer of an elder or a deacon, a verse that a friend might share with you from the Scriptures, an exhortation to, to turn back to God. These are some of the sparks that God uses to keep that fire burning. And a true friend will stand beside us in the difficult times. Just be there so we're not alone. Now there may be nothing that friend can do that will help make the circumstances any better but a true friend can be there to keep you warm, to be with you through that, those terrible circumstances, whatever may be happening. When tragedy strikes, we need friends just to be there with us to keep us warm. As you sit here this morning, are you the type of person who thinks that if I'm really spiritual, I really don't need friends because I'll be able to help or depend on God alone? Is that how we should be thinking, that we don't need friends, we can just depend on God? Sounds very, very spiritual. The Roman Catholic tradition does this by exalting celibacy and monastic orders, implying that isolation from others is the path to godliness. I say rubbish to that. Clearly, our best model at this point is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He is the eternal Son of God. He had a perfect relationship with God the Father, but sometimes Jesus was alone. Sometimes he was lonely, but he had friends, even though they slept at the most inappropriate times, but he had friends, good friends, Peter, James and John, the disciple whom he loved, Mary, Martha, Lazarus, many friends. Having friends, wanting friends and needing friends is not unspiritual. It's not a bad thing. It's not a sign of spiritual weakness. God desires that we have fellowship with him and that we have fellowship with others. Two are better than one because if you lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? And thirdly, Solomon writes for us in verse 12 about a true friend coming to our aid when we're under attack. Again, the statement of fact, two are better than one. Then verse 12, because if one can overpower him who is alone, two can resist him. When other people spread malicious gossip and rumours about you, a friend who's someone who will stand up for you. When there's been a misunderstanding, a friend will go with you and try to help straighten things out. When Satan launches that spiritual attack and is tempting you, a friend will faithfully be there and pray with you. That's the support that we all need. We all need that type of support. We are not islands. A true friend is able to fight with you. A simple illustration comes from the 2005 film Batman Begins. Police Commissioner Gordon he was wondering how he could ever bring a dangerous criminal to justice by himself. He's just one man. How can he stand against all the forces of darkness in Gotham City? 
And then the same goes to Batman. You can just imagine him there. Batman, well, that might be Superman. But Batman, his cape flowing, and he says, now we are two. Just a simple illustration. Biblical examples of Elijah and Elisha, Naomi and Ruth, David and Jonathan. And I'm sure you can think of many more. These people never failed to provide hope and care for each other. So according to Solomon, why is having a true friend so, so valuable, so needed? Because a true friend will help you when you fall. He will put his hand out or her hand out. A true friend will comfort you in all those difficult times. We may not be able to change the circumstances, but we can be there to keep you warm, to encourage you. And a true friend will aid you when you're being attacked. When that gossip is flying around or when Satan is attacking, you can be there to to help them. And then Solomon sums up this whole section with a visual illustration at the end of verse 12. He says, A cord of three strands is not quickly torn apart. Solomon does some arithmetic and turns into two into three. His argument all along has been two are better than one, but here at the end of verse 12 he turns a dynamic duo into a powerful trinity. He adds a a third strand to, to this cord and Solomon is simply making the point that for everything from work to warfare, three people are even better than two. This is the law of larger numbers. I bought a bit of rope, even though it's small, but as I look at this, it looks like there's only two strands. You can look as hard as you like in the middle. It really looks like two strands. But you know as well as I did, as we pull it apart, there's three. And they do three strands for a reason, because it's stronger. It's impossible to create a braid with only two strands. Now, I haven't had to braid my hair for a long time, but... I've never had to do two, stra- two, two braids. It takes a third strand to give strength to the other two. And I've been told, as I think I asked the question of Karen, that you can braid four and five. And it's stronger and stronger. Can you braid six? I, I have no idea. Maybe you can. The principle is that two is better than one, but three is better than two. And... and my mathematics is four is better than three. Five is better than four. Someone asked me as I told them what I was preaching on. I think it was a little bit cynical. Does that mean that four is better than five? And I said, of course it does. Solomon might not say that, but it certainly makes sense to me. Now again, this verse is very appropriately used at a wedding when we say that a husband and wife join together as well as the Lord making up the third strand, our marriages are not easily broken. And I agree with that, but he's not talking about marriage here. He's implying an illustration to a broader context. He's talking about three people. Yes, we can extrapolate, and we do, and I don't mind that at all. And I'll even do that because a friendship which is built upon a common desire to honour the Lord 
is a three-strand cord. You don't have to be married to have the Lord in common. A friend that you have, if you have the Lord in common, whether you're obeying Him and working with Him, whether two people are working together while seeking to obey God and receive His blessing, it's a powerful combination, not easily broken. And of all the friendships that give us strength for life, Jesus Christ is the best of all. But let me just say, and I have to say this, to me this also means that it really is impossible for a Christian to have a non-Christian as a true friend. It won't work in the context that we've been talking about. I'd like to ask you a, a series of questions. You really should answer them, certainly, obviously, in your own mind. Are you in a relationship or in relationships that are strong enough to help you grow in Christ? Are you in relationships that are strong enough to help you grow in Christ? Are you speaking to one another about spiritual things? Do you belong to a small group Bible study where all this can take place? Is anyone holding you accountable in your most vulnerable areas of temptation? Is anyone holding you accountable? Does anyone in the world know you well enough to guard your back through prayer? Questions you need to answer. Or maybe... Your Christian philosophy comes from that song. I've built walls. I have a fortress deep and mighty that none may penetrate. I have no need for friendship because friendship just causes pain. I touch no one and no one touches me because I'm an island. I'm a rock. We were never designed, never created to live alone. We were always created to have a relationship with God and always created to help and support our brothers and sisters in Christ. Every ministry in this church, from working in the Sunday school to reaching out to our neighbours, depends on working relationships. And sooner or later, we all need someone to pick us up when we've fallen. Every one of us will need that. Sooner or later, we're going to need someone to help us kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you, which is from 2 Timothy 1.6. Sooner or later, someone is going to need to help you to fight that spiritual battle. And I want to encourage each one of us not to wait until we get into trouble to look for a friend. Then it might be too late. And so rather than assuming that you can manage everything on your own, open your arms to a spiritual relationship. Find that one person and conversely, because I need to turn it around a little bit, as you have opportunity, be the friend that someone else needs. It's one thing to say that you need a friend, but I'm I'm talking to everyone and saying, You need to be that friend that someone else needs. 
You see, our tendency is to sit back and wait for people to befriend us. And when that doesn't happen, we complain because no one likes us. And we feel sorry for ourselves because no one has befriended us. But that's not how it works. Solomon, in another book called Proverbs, in chapter 18, verse 24, he says, if you want friends, you have to show yourself to be friendly. That makes sense, doesn't it? And so if you haven't drawn others into your life, don't blame them that they're not there when calamity strikes. If you want friends, you have to show yourself friendly. You have to be available to those people. Now, Paul Simon wrote, I am a rock, I am an island. But interestingly, he also wrote (coughs) another song, which I'm not going to play or sing or have the words for. That song is called A Bridge Over Troubled Waters. The second verse of that song says, when you're down and out, when you're on the street, when evening falls so hard, I will comfort you. I'll take your part when darkness comes and pain is all around. Like a bridge over troubled waters, I will lay me down. Now, they're non-Christian words, but even those words don't say, I'll pray for you or I'll give you a book to read. Neither do they say, I'll tell you what to do. No, what they say is when things get rough, I will lay me down. There's no bridge quite like a true friend. So instead of being a rock or an island, I believe the Lord desires us to be bridge over troubled waters who will lay down our time and our energy and our money on behalf of our friends. You know, Jesus taught that and you know that. He said, greater love has no one than this than one lay down his life for his friends. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you for this word. We thank you that it's the living word that you have provided it to us. You have kept it safe over many centuries so that we in 2014 can open it up and read it, be encouraged, be rebuked. Whatever it is that your spirit is doing in our lives right now, I pray, Father, that we'll take these words away, these simple verses, and put them into our lives so that we may understand and know that our relationship is not only with you, but our true brothers and sisters. Father, help us to understand that two is better than one and three is even better than two. In the understanding, Lord, that obviously with our Lord Jesus Christ, that is a third strand that can never be broken. We thank you, Lord, for this time. We ask that you would bless us now as we leave. We look forward to tonight in sharing around a meal and hearing words from our brother and I pray Father that you just bless the rest of our afternoon as we think upon these things and we ask it in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.